You have probably never heard of William Lamb. I hadn't. Otherwise known as Lord Melbourne. He has the distinction of mentoring a young woman from age 18 to 21. <clears throat> and one day while she was in fact 18, he announced to her that she was now the Queen of Great Britain and Ireland, Victoria. The next thing he did was the remarkable thing. He opened the Bible and turned to the pages of the Old Testament, the story of Solomon, and read from 2 Chronicles chapter 1. Solomon, like Victoria, had just taken the throne and he David had prepared materials for the temple and the people had contributed to the temple, to, to the materials, and they were ready to go. And Solomon went to the tabernacle to make an offering. And then he was visited by God. And God said to him, and I'd, if you would like to turn, you're welcome to do so. Second Chronicles chapter 1, beginning to read at verse 7. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered God, You have shown great kindness to David my father and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father David be confirmed, for you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. And then these words. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. God granted Solomon wisdom and knowledge. In fact, he is the primary author of what we call the wisdom books of the Old Testament. It seems to me that his request showed three things. It showed faith. He said, give me wisdom and knowledge. He trusted God to give him the wisdom and knowledge required to govern this people. It showed dependence. Who is able to govern this great people? He's depending on God. And then it showed submission. This great people of yours, not my people, but your people. God is, Solomon is submitting to God, who is the owner, ruler, sovereign of that people, right? I became a believer in my early teens, and the preacher gave me a Bible. 
And in the front of the Bible, he inscribed two Bible references. And one of them was Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord. Rest in him. Don't question his ability. Don't question his will. Don't question what he wants for you. Trust in the Lord. And trusting the Lord with all your heart. And then lean on the Lord with all your mind. Don't lean on your own understanding. Lean on God's understanding. I, 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 I always hesitate over that phrase, God's understanding. I mean, are we limiting God in some way by saying God understands? God has understanding? <clears throat> Trust, lean on the Lord's understanding with all your mind and then submit to him with all your behavior. See? God is worthy of these things. And these are lessons that I'm still learning. Now, the will of God, and I want to talk about the will of God. I want to talk about two things. The will of God and the, leaning, and the leading of God. So let, let me clarify, first of all, what we mean by the will of God. Uh, both Jesse and Jeremy have already uh, talked about this, but I just want to highlight it. The will of God is many faceted, and we, can, we, we, we simply, in, in, in a very simple way, talk about it in three phases. Number one, the sovereign will of God. The will of God that has put out the plan of salvation and is, is accomplishing the progress of redemption. The will of, God, the will of God, here's what happened. A bunch of officials and soldiers and whatnot crucified the Lord of glory, but God planned it beforehand. See? That's God's sovereign will. And then there's the moral will of God, and that's what we are to do. That's right action, right behavior, the moral will of God. And then there's the personal will of God. What the moral will of God we're supposed to do all the time, every, in every circumstance. The personal will of God is what God wants me to do at this point in time. It's a pers is personal will for my life at this particular time. And so when we look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, does this refer to the personal will of God or the moral will of God? Well, I've always thought of it in terms of the personal will of God, but there are arguments for, for holding it as the moral will of God. Is it giving personal guidance or is it giving moral guidance? I, I used to worry about questions like this and, you know, try and process them. And now I say, well, 
whatever it is, I'm responsible to obey both. I'm responsible to fall in line with both. So I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna lose sleep over that anymore. I think a case can be made for both. Now, another thing that I used to puzzle over was the end of these verses where it says, I will make your paths straight. You know, the old version was, I will direct your paths. I will make your paths straight. What, do, what does he mean by, I will make your paths straight? If it's God's moral will, then that means he will make your paths righteous. He'll, he'll give you a righteous life. If you follow God, he'll give you a righteous life, right? If it's the personal will of God, it means he will lead you in the best way to get to the goal he has for you in, in your personal life. And again, I don't worry about those things anymore because I suspect that God is interested in both. And uh, I, I, I'm not sure. If he means the, God's personal will for me and it will, he will make my path straight, what does that mean? Here's what I think it means. If, if you use Google Maps or some other app to get somewhere, you notice how it shows several routes to get from one end of the route to the other? And one is straighter than the others? I think it means roughly something like that. If you fall in line with what God is doing, he will lead you the best path to get to the goal he has for you. All right? Now, here's what I'd like to do. I would, I would like to... <clears throat> I would like to uh, talk about, for, for a few minutes, several points about wisdom and guidance. <clears throat> First of all, we may do the right thing by either wisdom or guidance. If we're talking about God's personal will and all that kind of thing, we may do the right thing by either wisdom or guidance. Say a group of us want to go on a fishing trip and it's in an unfamiliar area, it's not anywhere near here and we don't, we don't really know anything about the area, we could do the following. We could do some research. We could look at maps, we could look up information on the internet, we could check license requirements, we could, all those things, right? That we're researching the area that we're gonna go fishing in. That's what you call wisdom. You, you plan ahead and you act wisely in planning your trip. The alternative is that we could go to the area, we could hire a guide to take us on this fishing trip. He knows all about that. He, he, that's what he does. <clears throat> now the guide, in fact, could do a couple of things. He could take us over to his truck and he could lay the map out on the hood of the truck and he could say, look, we're gonna drive up here, take about 30 minutes, and then we, we've gotta walk through the woods about another 30 minutes to get to the river and that's where we're gonna go, right? So he's showing us ahead of time, he's laying it out for us. Or, as an alternative, he could say, follow me. Right? God sometimes shows us the map and sometimes just says, follow me. He can do it both ways. He can, and, and he's wise enough to figure out which one is best. I have not very often seen the map ahead of time. 
And I have sometimes thanked the Lord for that because uh, I'm not sure I would have been too enthused about going. But the Lord sometimes will show us ahead of time which way to go. But other times he'll just say, follow me. Or as Henry Blackaby says, just take the next logical step by faith. Okay, one step at a time. All right. I, what I have tended to do through my life is try to the best of my God-given ability to trust the Lord with all my heart and try not to lean on my own understanding. That's difficult because I like to figure things out. Try not to lean on my own understanding and trust that the Lord will not let me go too far off the path. That's, that's my approach. I, I, I want to trust that the Lord will keep me close to the path. All right. <clears throat> Point number two. There are times in life when we need guidance and times when we need wisdom. Sometimes we need to be told what to do and where to go. And sometimes we need to look at the factors, ask God for wisdom, figure it all out, and then go. Otherwise, what would be the point of wisdom? Right? I mean, if it's all guidance, what would be the point of wisdom? God gives wisdom so that we may act wisely. Sometimes he guides us and sometimes he asks us to, depending on his wisdom, take the right move. Point number three. There may be a sequence involved in guidance and wisdom. And what I mean by that is this. When children are young, they need guidance. You just tell them what to do. You don't have to tell them why, you just tell them what to do. They're just little kids. As they grow older, they need to learn to act with wisdom so that when they become adults and are responsible for themselves, they have some modicum of wisdom. And so there may be a sequence. It may be, I don't know that this is, I, I don't know, I don't have any biblical support for this. It may be that when we are young believers, when we are young in the faith, we need more guidance. And when we are older in the faith, we can exercise more wisdom. Don't take that as gospel truth. That's just my uh, speculation. Point number four. Wisdom and guidance are not necessarily exclusive of one another. I may ask for wisdom, and as, a, and as that wisdom develops, as my understanding of the situation develops, guidance emerges. I may ask for guidance, and God lets me think through and gives the ability to think through the situation. And so wisdom and guidance often work hand in hand so that we can operate in the will of God. We need to be open to receive both as the need arises, right? <clears throat> Point number five. How I handle things where I am is more important than where I am. If I am in a tough job, 
It may be God's will that I look for another job, but in the meantime, my responsibility is to handle this job right. Right? If I am in, if I'm dealing with sickness, it may be God's will to heal me in the future, but how I handle the sickness right now is God's will for me. I may have financial problems, and it may be that God will supply my financial problems tomorrow or next week or next month, but how I handle myself right now is the important thing. I may be in interpersonal conflict, and how I handle it right now is the important thing. And if I'm in any kind of tough situation, how I handle that situation is the important thing for me right now. See? It's not where I am, it's how I handle where I am. And then point number six, being willing to do God's will comes before knowing God's will. You know what we call this? Lordship. If he is Lord, I, and I want to know his will, I need to bow to his lordship. The Lord confides in those who fear him, says the psalmist. God asks us to surrender our will to him before he reveals his will to us. We don't need to see the big picture. We don't need to see far down the road. We just need to see the next step. And God will reveal that to us as long as we are willing, we take each small step by faith. That's called living by faith. Taking the next step of obedience that God has revealed to us. Point number seven. God wants to give us wisdom he, his will is not a hidden puzzle. I like to do puzzles, but I don't know that I like the will of God to be, to be a puzzle. And God, do you see the big word in, in James chapter 1? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously. Generously. He's not hiding. He's not, God's not teasing us. God's not holding back. He gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given you. He never says, well, you ought to be smart enough to figure this out. I've heard one or two teachers either say that or imply that by a look, but God doesn't act like that. He gives generously. Generously. And finally, uh, point number eight. He may give us wisdom and guidance through many channels. God is not limited. He, he has all of the resource, all of his resources at his disposal. Fundamental, if we want to know the will of God, if we want to know the wisdom of God, fundamental to that <clears throat> is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is what I think of as a right view of God. 
He's God, I'm not. Right? He's God, I'm not. And I want to be at least careful before him. If we don't have this kind of view of God, our, our, our view of the whole world is distorted. We get wisdom from the word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is more than reading the Bible every day. This is meditating on the Bible and how does it apply to my life? And am I willing to obey it? Second, we get wisdom from godly people. The mouths of the righteous utter wisdom and their tongues speak what is just. Learn who you can respect as a godly person and tap into that person's wisdom. I wish that I had that attitude when I was young. It would have made life so much easier. Another source of wisdom is parents. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not respect, no, does not respond to rebukes. Parents have been farther down the road. They know a little. They, they may seem a little naive right now, but they do know a little, and you can depend on them. And then any other way that God chooses to lead us. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. He can counsel us by giving us the input of other people. He can, if we can counsel us through daily devotionals, whatever you're reading in the word each morning. He can counsel us through a song. He can counsel us through a comment. He can counsel us through a dream. He can counsel us through a criticism. He can counsel us through any number of things. I wish that I had taken counsel from my elders when I was younger. I made decisions that uh, led into difficult paths uh, that could have been much easier if I had done so. I generally trusted the Lord, and I think the Lord kind of kept me within certain bounds, but I wish I had followed a bit more closely. The Lord, but the Lord has been so gracious and so good. So gracious. And I pray that he will be good to you in the coming days in revealing his wisdom and his will. All right. Lord bless you.